0: Uh, We were joking earlier that I have to follow cute kids. So they're going to bring a puppy on stage now, and that's going to finish us out for the day. Everybody have a good Thanksgiving? Awesome. You know, uh, having the kids here on Thanksgiving weekend, it should be a reminder to us of um, just the blessings that we have, and the things that we count as blessings in our culture, in our, our country here. You know, probably uh, the amount of food that all of us took in on Thursday equals the amount of food that in many countries someone has in a week or even a month in certain countries. And I think we have to be very grateful that uh, we are over-blessed. We're not just blessed, we are over-blessed. In addition to that, I think it should be a reminder if you look at these kids and you realize that uh, many of them don't have families. And uh, many of you are gathered here even in this celebration with your family this morning. And we need to be very grateful for the families that we have. And if if your family isn't uh, speaking and isn't working together and isn't all on the same page, I'd encourage you to uh, just make make that happen, whatever it takes. Um, We have a very short time on this planet. And uh, one of the, the blessings that we have is our families. And let's not take them for granted. And uh, we pray constantly that God will bring prodigals home and God will put families back together. And uh, I think this morning is a, a double reminder of our over-blessedness, of uh, the abundance that we have and the families that we have. We can't just be thankful for it, though. We have to do something about it. And I think that God has blessed us in order to be a blessing. So every chance you get, give to somebody who doesn't have what you have. And even if you don't think you have much, you've got way more than somebody else does. There's always somebody that you can bless and give to, no matter what your situation in life. And so I'd encourage you to do that. Let's begin this morning just praying a prayer of of gratefulness and thankfulness to the Lord. Father, we are so grateful for all that you have blessed us with. Father, may we not take it for granted. And may we use it to bless others here and around the world. God, help us to use our resources, all that you've given us to help transform lives in other places. Father, we're reminded of just what water will do, something we take for granted, and yet you came to offer water, to give water to a thirst that needed quenched spiritually. So God, help us as we take the gospel to the ends of the earth as best we can. Help us take it to our neighbors and those in the different areas of our cities where New Life Churches are. Father, help us to be transformed people who desire to work together to transform others' lives. In Christ's name, amen. As I said, most of you are here with family. Mine is here somewhere. My parents are here. So, oh, right back here. My parents are here from Louisville. They get up every now and then. I'm glad to have them here, and they just happened to. Hit, they didn't do this purposely that I was speaking. They just happened to luck into it. Well, they'll tell me when I get home whether it was good or not. Believe me. Yeah. Um, we are going to talk this morning about transformation. The purpose, the stated purpose of New Life Church is to lead people into transforming relationships with Jesus. That's the stated purpose of our church. And we have a a process that we believe helps to do that. Now, it's not the tell-all, end-all of everything. And it doesn't fit, doesn't meet every requirement that, that we each need in our lives. But I believe if all of us take advantage of these three steps in this process, we're going to be well on our way to allowing God to transform our lives. The first step in that process is to pursue, to pursue God through weekend celebrations. Just being here. Being in a place where the word is taught, where we are worshiping with our brothers and sisters in Christ, where we are praying for one another, where we are ministering to one another, where we are pursuing God because it's a reminder to us that we need God. The second step is to connect with others in a New Life small group because we need each other. We need other people. Speaking into our lives, we need other people whose lives we are speaking into so that we can mutually work at this effort that we're making to become like Christ. And then the third step is to serve, to serve others together on a ministry team because others need us. Often there's nothing more transforming than ministering to somebody else, to being in an area of service where you have to grow in order to continue to minister God always challenges, its, uh, we're told that God always challenges the teacher more than the pupils. And so as you get in a ministry, we believe that that can be transforming. To pursue, to connect, and to serve helps you and helps each of us step into a transforming relationship with Jesus. So this morning we're going to look at a, a passage that is about transformation. So if you have your Bible, turn to Romans 12. If you need a Bible, there's some in the back. If you need one in a different language, we have several language Bibles back there also. If there's someone on your row without a Bible this morning, just shift yours over a little bit and let them share, okay? We're going low-tech this weekend, so the verses will not be on the screens. I know, try to deal with it. What would we do without all the lights and all the newfangled stuff? We'd actually have to pay attention, right? Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now, this passage, we could take weeks studying just the, the phrases in these first two verses. So we're going to narrow it down to just a couple of things this morning. And i to call your attention to two pa- uh, phrases in verse 2. Do not conform, and then later in that same verse, be transformed. Do not conform, but be transformed. The opposite of transformation is conformity. And in this case, the writer says conformity to the pattern of this world conforming to the pattern of this world now we could say okay the world here means the world system we don't want to conform to it and then we'd still be confused so let me see if i can simplify this anything that does not move you forward in your relationship with god is conformity to the pattern of the world So if anything comes into your life, if there's a habit or an attitude or an action, whatever it may be, that isn't moving you forward, pushing you forward in your relationship with God, then that would be conformity to the pattern of this world. Often those things can pull us in the opposite direction. And we like to talk a lot about how our culture doesn't move us toward God, and yet many of us grab hold of pieces of our culture. We're to be transformed, not conformed. You know, what it means is you are changing one direction or another, right? You can't go in two directions at the same time, can we? And these are opposite directions. It can't be both at the same time. You can't move in transformation to be more like Christ and conformity to the world at the same time. It just doesn't work. We like to believe that we can. We like to believe that we can be like Jesus except for a part of our lives here and there. But it's just not possible. You can't do both at once. And this verse clearly points out these two directions. The process is twofold. If we look at verse 1, we see that while we're offering our life as spiritual worship, as we're offering our very lives, it says our bodies, our lives, every aspect of our lives are to be an act of worship. We talk a lot about worship around here. In the next few weeks, we're going to be talking specifically about it in celebrations. Worship is something you do. Something we do with our lives. It's an act of worship. Our daily lives, every piece of it, is an act of, to be an act of worship. So while we're doing that, God is transforming us through what we'll call His heavenly renewal process that we see in verse 2. I don't believe that you can do what's in verse 1. We can't really offer our lives to God without allowing what's happening and taking place in verse 2. If we're not being renewed, then we're not going to offer our lives as sacrifices to him. You can't offer your body to Jesus if you're not allowing him to transform you. You can't be becoming more like Christ and more like the world at the same time. It's just not possible. And so the important question for us today is this. Are you transforming or are you conforming? Are you transforming... Or are you conforming? Essential to transformation, this passage says, is the renewing of our minds. The renewing of our minds. So if you long to break loose from conformity to the world, if you long to be transformed and new from the inside out, if you long to be free from mere duty-driven Christianity, and you, do, you want to do what you love, because what you love to do, is what you ought to do. And if you long to offer your body as a living sacrifice, so that your whole life becomes a spiritual act of worship and displays the worth of Christ above the worth of the world, then you're going to have to pursue the renewing of your mind with all your might. We are to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. In Ephesians chapter 4 verses 22 through 24 We read this, you were taught with regard to your former way of life, to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Interesting phrase at the beginning of verse 23, to be made new in the attitude of your mind. Now that's the New International Version's translation the New American Standard Version translates that, translates that phrase this way, that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind. So we see here that Paul is telling us, be renewed in the spirit or the attitude of our minds. Well, it's kind of odd. How can our mind have a spirit? How can our mind have an attitude? Well, I believe if you think about it, this makes a lot of sense. Because our minds have a bent, don't they? We have a way that we think. That's what it's talking about. The attitude of the spirit of our minds. We have a way that we think. And that's where we're to be renewed in this bent that we have. And what is that bent for most of us? Well, I believe our minds are fallen. Our minds do not just have info in them. And the way we respond to that info, they have a hostility almost sometimes to the absolute supremacy of God. Why? Well, because we like to do it our way. We like to be in control. And so our minds are bent at self-controlling being ourselves rather than being controlled by by the Spirit, being controlled by a renewing of this in our minds. What is the unrenewed spirit of our minds? I believe we could define it this way. We do not want to see God as worthy of knowing well. We don't really want to see God as being a treasure above all things. I think you know this is true about yourself because of how little effort sometimes you ex- expend to know him. And I think we know it because of how much effort it takes to make our minds spend any time getting to know God better. If, there's, if I was to narrow the most and come up with the most common statement made to me as a pastor about individuals walks with Christ. It's, I really struggle building my relationship with Christ. I struggle having a daily quiet time. I struggle making the effort. It just seems like it's a constant battle. That's because there's an unrenewedness in the spirit of our mind. And so we struggle with that. Romans 1.23 says this, We have exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man. We've exchanged it. What the writer of Romans is saying is that the image in the mirror every morning is the mortal image we worship the most. Ultimately, we are self-worshippers. And we've exchanged Christ-likeness for that image in the mirror. So I challenge you to ask yourself these questions. Are you seeing more Christ-likeness or more you-likeness? Who do you say yes to more often? You or Christ? And who gets to be in control most of the time? We're to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And the answers to those questions, if they are me, then we have a lot of transformation still to go, don't we? I've asked uh, several folks to share their stories of what God is doing in their lives to transform them this morning. And these are people who God is working in. And now don't be confused. They would have me tell you that transformation is a never-ending process. And anytime somebody comes up and shares their story, doesn't mean that we're saying they've arrived. It doesn't mean that we're saying now uh, they've reached the end. They, have, they are now at the peak. We've, we've now given them their medal and they're done. See, transformation is an ongoing thing in our lives, and it's not going to be fully achieved until we step from this life to the next, and a final renewal of sorts is done in us by Jesus Christ. So these folks are coming just to share their story, kind of where they've come from, what God has taken them through, and now what God is still doing in this area of transformation in their life. So Tracy's coming first, and she's going to tell her story. We're going to do this Oprah style. That makes me Oprah. Just work with it, okay? Okay, let's go Dr. Phil with hair. Is that better? Does that make it easier on everybody? Okay. All right. Well, Tracy, thanks for sharing. And uh, tell us, um, you've been at New Life a little over a year. Tell us where, you're, where you were in your life before you came here. What was going on?
1: Um, well, before I started coming here... Um, yeah, I recently had a, a death in my family, and um, I felt pretty alone and just kind of depressed, and um, I just needed some more positive people in my life.
0: And so you were drawn here. What did you discover when you came to New Life?
1: Um, but for one, it's pretty laid back, and, you know, I, I really enjoyed um, the sermon and, and uh, just the people here, very welcoming, and um, it, it was, once the first time I came, I was hooked. I was hooked on coming here, and I've been coming ever since.
0: Now, a few weeks or months into this, it was about time for small groups to get going for the fall, and there was an incident that happened actually around you where you were sitting. Tell us about that.
1: I was, it was in the, before the sermon started and a lady came over to a gentleman that sat behind me and, um, was saying how he, she was looking forward to small groups starting. So, um, after she had walked away, I turned around and asked him when his, uh, when it started and what day it was on. And, um, I was hoping it was on a Wednesday, which it was for, so I wanted to get my son into a and, um. So I've been going ever since and in the same group.
0: So you were drawn into this small group process, and you started in small group, and you discovered that there was an interesting person in your small group.
1: Yes. Uh, Pastor
0: Steve was in my small group. You're okay. Okay.
1: And, uh, um, and I met a lot of great people. Um, we had a very big group at the time, which now has split into another group. <gasps> Bad
0: word. <laughs> Multiplying.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So,
0: um, <laughs> three demerits. <laughs> <laughs> what, what did you, you tell me the other day, uh, that something interesting you discovered by having Pastor Stephen listening to the stories of these people in their groups that you discovered.
1: I discovered that, you know, it's, it's not just me going through this, through things and, you know, even people who've been in the faith, you know, way longer than me still have their troubles and, um, you know, I found different ways to uh, go about how I deal with certain situations, and, you know, I need to put it more on to, you know, cast my cares on to God and, you know, just have faith that He'll He'll see me through and get me through it.
0: And as that was going on, what, was, what were you noticing the transformation was taking place in your life? What kind of things were happening?
1: Uh, I just noticed that I was seeking God more, and I wanted to learn more about uh, Jesus and And I just wanted more of that in my life, and um, I joined the, well, I had already joined my small group, and I um, went to the Women's Encounter, which was great, and um, met great people there, and just everywhere, all the groups I've gotten into, I've gotten into the Women's Study during the summer, and um, actually, I just started another Women's Study through a a friend's church. Last week, so um, just learning more, is just wanting to know more and seek more and just to have him more in my life
0: so what's going on now? what's got up to now in your life
1: um, you know just um, just helping me see things in a in a his his way rather than my way, and um, it's helping me deal with certain situations uh, a lot better than I think I would have in the past. Um, So um, I just try to be there more for people, and um, it's just making things a lot better.
0: (laughs) Awesome. Thanks, Tracy. Appreciate it. (laughs) Richard's going to come share now and uh, tell a little bit about his story, what God's been up to in his life. If you paid attention, you heard Tracy say the importance of that connection with people and the impact that that's having on her life and just how that's built her, her own pursuit of God uh, through the Word. Hi, Richard. Hi, Oprah. <laughs> Thank you. This is my last season. Well, I'm sure um, it's terrible. You can see me later on the, what is it now, the Oprah network we're going to get? Okay. Right. Uh, Tell us kind of where, you've been at New Life several years, but tell us what was kind of going on spiritually in your life before you came here.
2: There was nothing going on, so I had no relationship uh, with God at all. I started coming here in 96 with my wife, uh, who grew up in church. Her mom and dad were members here, so she wanted to start coming, and I'm, you know, I'm being the good husband, and I said, all right, I'll go with you, Uh, uh, it didn't take too long with uh, Pastor Dave, and and I realized pretty quickly what was missing in my life. And uh, so once I started a relationship with Jesus Christ, it's been a it's been a wild ride. So uh, shortly thereafter, uh, my wife wanted to start in service, and she so she told me, uh, <laughs> "I want to teach a uh, two year old class." I'm like, "All right." You know didn't even particularly like kids um, but good husband, so it's like, all right, let's do this and now I you know, I'm a very quiet, reserved back you know behind this why is somebody laughing? <laughs> behind the scenes kind of guy, yeah, it's true, Terry. Uh, so that that role was perfect for me because I got to, you know, make bulletin boards and make signs and, you know, get water and stuff, and it was great. Uh, but then, you know, I was cruising for quite a while, and I, I learned in that time that I was in the two-year-old room that kids are actually pretty cool, and they're just amazing little people. Um, so about five years ago, I got the fateful question of what are you doing Wednesday nights? Uh-huh. And um, I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> So, I found out that there was a need in Iwana for a games leader, and games is loud and obnoxious and up front and that and it 's just like you know that is not me there's no way I can do that uh, so I did a little research though about Awana and found out that it's amazing and it 's just a really special program, so I wanted to be a part of Awana, but not in games that just wasn 't me so You know, I started some bargaining when I said, can I do, like, really cool slideshows or, um, you know, make some signs. I can do all that stuff. And that wasn't the need, so I ended up uh, a game guy. Um, And then I found out I actually can be uh, loud and obnoxious, which is, I think somebody already knew that. Um, And so, I, you know, that's one way that God has really stretched me is just, Uh, saying you know when when he's calling you to do something that you think you can't do uh, there's a good chance he's doing that for a reason and uh, just challenge you to do it so you came in as
0: game guy guy. Mr. Loud and Obnoxious but God wasn't done he was continuing to transform and so this past year
2: another step in your transformation process Right, so I was cruising. It was my fourth year as game guy. I think I was starting to get it. (laughs) I'm a slow learner, and um, and I was really in the zone, and I I thought, you know, this is great. I got this. Um, And then the Iwana commander at at the time said, well, why don't you be the Iwana commander? I'm like, whoa, (laughs) that's even more up front, and, and uh, that is definitely, I mean, even more than game guy, that is definitely not me, you got the wrong guy. And so I had to pray about that one for a long time, and I think, uh, I had to pray with my wife too, because she was going to be dragged down a bit <laughs> with the workload on that one. Um, and it, it became clear that um, even though I don't think I'm that guy, uh, I think God did, and so uh, so I had to say yes. And what I realized through that whole process was, you know, right now, this is my first year as the Iwana commander, and I, I feel most nights like I have no idea what I'm doing. And what's awesome about that is that I think that might be where God wants us a lot of the times because when you don't feel like you know what you're doing, you've got to pray and you've got to rely on him to fill in those gaps. And when you're cruising, I think you rely too, rely too much on yourself and not on him, and there's, there's not much glory in that
0: and so now, the guy that didn't like kids now has how many kids you're in charge of?
2: <laughs> Last club night was 247.
0: <laughs> so good luck with that. So, so what, do you, what do
2: you think's on the horizon? What's God doing now? What God's doing now is uh, um, I think I've learned to keep, keep your ears open, keep your heart open, when you feel like you're cruising, when you feel like you got this down, whatever you're doing, just be ready because there's a good chance that he's going to shake you up a bit. Um, I've also learned that um, you talked about counting blessings earlier. There's probably no better time in your life to count blessings than when you're completely relying on God. And one of the blessings, one of the blessings that I found, especially in Iwana, is there are 70-some leaders that are probably some of the best people you'll ever meet in your life. And that's one of my uh, huge blessings in my life is uh, just being able to serve with them. It's That is a life-changing experience in and of itself. And then um, I noticed that it starts to influence your life outside of your service area. So one of the places I struggled the most in my Christian life is sharing my faith with other people. You know, doing that here is relatively easy, doing that with family that goes to church is pretty easy, but doing that with your non-Christian friends, family, and uh, co-workers is pretty scary, and it was for me. And I noticed um, since taking these roles in Iwana, I really haven't had any trouble with that lately. And that's been a huge blessing in my life because all my fears about why I shouldn't talk to people about this, they're wrong. Um, It's amazing. Most people are actually curious, and when you come to Uh, talk about it from a position of how God's working in your life and all this stuff, Uh, you can open up some really interesting conversations with people.
0: Awesome. Thanks, Richard. Appreciate it. So you see that God uses our service to transform us, and in Richard's case, uses little kids to transform us. If you can communicate with them, you can communicate with anybody, right? Right. Tanya's going to come and share what God's been doing in her life these past few years. So you've been at New Life about five or six years. Mm -hmm. Tell us where you were spiritually before that.
3: Spiritually, um, before that, I was very far. I I was a believer, but I was, my actions you wouldn't be able to tell. I was a grad student at Ohio State, and um, all of the things that Living on co- a college campus can go with that. I was participating in making poor decisions and hanging out with um, people that were impacting me more than I was impacting them, and definitely wouldn't have been able to tell that I was living that I was a Christian. It was not a good example of Christ at all.
0: So where'd the turnaround come? What God start doing to pull you toward Himself?
3: Um, well, I think the I think the draw on me, God calling me was always there. It was just that I was able to finally begin to acknowledge the consequences of my decisions and that in doing that, I was able to hear the call more or feel the pull. Um, He is so consistent and even in my inconsistency, he's consistent. And so I was able to, to, to see that, okay, I'm, I'm, in a prof- I'm in school to be in a profession where I'm going to help people, or I want to help them, but how much am I going to be able to really help them or be useful if I'm living this kind of lifestyle myself? So he began putting people in, in my path. He, um, a dear friend of mine, invited me to come to New Life, and um, I was. I grew up in church, so I was not opposed necessarily to church, but my church was very small, small town, and it mattered what you wore, and it mattered what row you sat in, and who you were friends with, and I didn't want anything to do with that. I. I really um, had somewhat of a bad taste in my mouth, and it was clouded by my own perception and my own rebellion, and so it was a lot for her to get me to, to try new life, but she said the thing that mattered, and she said, you could wear your pajamas, and these people would not care, and so I came in my pajamas. I sat right back there in my PJs, and y'all love me right where I was. You were like, come on in, and Pastor um, Dave Early gave the message, and he was talking about some of... Some of those same types of things about needing to wear collared shirts, and he even put his foot up on the podium and said, some people have a problem with me wearing sandals, but I'll have you know Jesus wore sandals. <laughs> and I was, at that point, I was hooked. I was, I, w- I felt like it really was a church that was going to focus on what's going on on my inside and not what's going
0: on on the outside. And from that point, what God start to do? What transformation started to take place?
3: he had his work cut out for him, because I was definitely a um, <laughs> I was a mess, and I was very stubborn and I still am in a lot of ways um, but he gently began to remove some of the negative influences that he knew I wasn't strong enough at the time to really um, stand up against or um, to to be able to live the way he was calling me to live around those people he He gently removed some of those acquaintances from my path um, and began to introduce other people into those gaps, so I wasn't just isolated and alone. He's so gracious to put the people there that are really helpful, and so I came here and was really getting to know people and digging down into the Word, and um, it was making sense to me. It wasn't just um, words and things that were so foreign to me. It was actually abiding in my heart and and making a sense to me and relating to the circumstances I was in. So I I really think that by plugging in through the people and and beginning to make different choices, and I for one made a choice in grad school that I was not able to drink alcohol or be in those types of places. It was clear to me that for me that I was gonna be separated from God if I was gonna continue to make those choices, so I, decided I wasn't going to participate in those type of recreational activities and um, decided to plug into service and different humanitarian efforts instead. And he's, he's so gracious when we're, when we're obedient. He fills us up. And that's what he did to me. And it, it began this divine romance um, with him that I can't even explain. It's like an intricate dance, you know. It was a struggle at times where he was leading and I was leading. and But it, it became just... Um, I'm I'm smitten with Jesus. There's no other way to really describe it. Cool.
0: What's he up to now? What's the the latest in this ongoing transformation?
3: Well, um, I would say the latest three different areas probably that he um, is convicting me of and um, dealing with me on specifically are my role as a wife and what that means to him as far as me... Being a control freak, I'll just say it. <laughs> Being a control freak and um, knowing how that interrupts what he's doing in our family with my husband as a a leader, and and um, so oftentimes I hear him tell me, "Shh, don't talk," or "This, I, I'm going to work this out. I don't need God, you to fix it." God, not her husband, not my husband. Yeah, he he knows. He just goes, "Mm-hmm." mm-hmm. <laughs> but. Yeah, just very much um, telling me that I'm supposed to take more of a passive role and that he's working things out in my husband. Secondly, as a mother of a three-year-old, once again, control issues. You have no control over a three-year-old in a lot of ways. Um, And that's not her fault. That's more about me. Um, So he's really taught me that one of the best ways I can teach her obedience is by her seeing me being obedient Um, because she's watching all all the time, and uh, so I I work on that. And then the third thing is I have such a servant's heart, and I love to help people. It's just the way God made me, but he's really convicting me lately of having to pick and choose what I say yes to in helping. Um, Sometimes I get too much on my plate, and then he's not able to use me the way that he would, so I get to be a a mile wide and only an inch deep, and... um, that's not how he wants us. He wants us to um, be doing what he's calling us to do, not what we feel obligated or um, have to do. So I've been working on making sure that it's God's will when I, there's an opportunity to serve. Am I supposed to do that, or am I supposed to sit down and let someone else who he might be calling to do that um, rise to that position?
0: Awesome. Thanks, Tanya. Thank you. Appreciate it. Um, I appreciate these folks who have shared with us this morning. Um, hope you're seeing that when we make a determination that what we're going to do is pursue God and we're going to connect with others and we're going to serve with others alongside them in a ministry, that God transforms us through those, those efforts. He does exactly what He says He'll do in, this verses, in these verses. Let's go back and look at them and see if this is actually what we're seeing. Remember in verse 1, He says, The aim of life, of all of life, is worship. And we should present our bodies, our whole active life, as a sacrifice to Him. Now remember that that sacrifice, we have a choice. We put ourselves up on that altar. And we have to stay there. But often we want to climb down. We're to use our whole lives to display the worth of God and all that He is for us in Christ. And then in verse 2, in order for that to happen, our minds have to be renewed. Why? Because our minds... Are not by nature God worshiping minds. They are by nature self worshiping minds. There are two aspects of this renewal, I believe. And as you've heard these stories, I think you've heard two distinct things. One, that there's a change from the outside in, the exposure of the mind to Christ exalting truth, the truth of, of preaching on weekends, the, the truth of the word being brought forth in small groups and in our relationships with people in those groups. The truth that we learn in our daily quiet times with God, in our efforts of allowing the Word to speak into us. And so we begin to grow in the truth of taking classes and going to women's and men's retreats and taking the summer Bible study and being involved in where truth is pouring into us from the outside. Now, if it's just this part, if it's just truth, if it's all this truth, what can happen is we can easily lose passion. And the worship sometimes stagnates. And the truth just becomes facts. It's a bunch of stuff we know. And we lose out on the relationship part. And that's why there's another part to transformation, not just from the outside in, but from the inside out. Where we are within us embracing humility that causes our heart to start to soften. And there's a a passion about our relationship with Christ. And we build that relationship not just out of time in the Word, but in our service and in our connection to others. And in our worship together. But if it's just that part, you can lose content. And a lack of depth can set in and it becomes all about feeling. And so it has to be both these things. From the outside in and from the inside out. Where we are... Growing in our understanding of the truth and growing in our passion and the way that we live out that truth in our lives. How do we obey Romans 12, 1 and 2? Two aspects. Your part, I think your part is in verse 1, to present and offer and give your body, your life to Jesus as completely as you possibly can understand as a worship, a living sacrifice. To put ourselves on the altar and stay there. This is a daily and more often than that sometimes decision to present yourself. It says to present yourself. It's a choice and it has to come from a deep desire to worship Jesus. It's just a choice on our part. And then there's God's part. Renewal can't be done by us. This renewal that we see in verse 2 is not done by us. The only other time in Scripture where this word appears is in Titus 3, verse 5. It says, He saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and the renewal by the Holy Spirit. Look at that phrase. The renewal by the Holy Spirit. You see, the Spirit of God renews the mind. He renews it through His Word. He renews it through relationships. And He begins to renew and transform us. It is first and decisively His work. We are totally dependent upon Him. The efforts, our efforts, the efforts that we make of offering ourselves really are a response to His initiative in our life as He renews us. Second Corinthians 3.18 says, And we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into His likeness with ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Transformation ultimately comes from beholding the glory of the Lord. You see, when you and I can see Christ for who He really is, as truly the worthy one, who has given His life for us, who is changing us, who desires to have first place in our life, in that steadfast gazing upon our Savior and our Lord, our mind is renewed. When we gaze at the majesty of Christ for who he is, we are renewed. When we keep our focus on him and not on ourselves, then we are renewed. We are to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. But sometimes things get in the way, don't they? If I had to narrow down what gets in the way of transformation, I would say it's one of three things. One, you think it's mostly about you. You get stuck on that part on your part. And so there becomes too much work on your part. And it's all about, well, I'll do this and I'll do that. And as Tanya mentioned, often we start doing too much. And we get involved in absolutely everything there is. And suddenly it becomes just a bunch of stuff we're doing. And I'll tell you what will happen, and some of you may have hit this. You'll be discouraged and frustrated. Because it's you trying to renew yourself when we're just told to offer ourselves and let God do the renewing. And so... That can keep you from being transformed. Discouragement and frustration because you're trying to do it all on your own. The second thing that can happen is you think it's all God. Now I believe in the sovereignty of God, but there's that offering of ourselves, right? And then He renew, He renews us. But what happens? Well, we think it's all God, so we'll sit and wait. Well, I'll just I'll, I'll sit here and hold my. I don't know what. I see people do this though. Well, it's all about God. I don't really have to make an effort here. And what happens? Well, we get lazy. And we just we expect God to do some stuff when we're making absolutely no effort. And yet Scripture is full of passages that say when we pursue Him, He comes to us. That when we seek Him, we'll find Him when we search for Him. There's a part of it that's His and there's a part of it that's ours. There's no deepening relationship when it's just going to be, well, I'm going to buy osmosis. God's going to come in and totally change me. Now, wouldn't that be cool? Wouldn't that be easy? We would never have to struggle. We'd never have to work through sin. We'd never have to work through struggling relationships. We'd never have to, if God just went, okay, you're different. That'd be cool, but it doesn't work that way. It's us, our offering, and God's renewal. And then there, I think, a third thing that can get in the way, and I think this is... This is the most destructive, is that we become happy with the status quo. And what this leads to is just apathy. And I think this is, the, this is the disease of the American church overall. It's just we're happy with the status quo. I'm a nice person. I go to church. I do my thing. But, uh-uh. Don't let me ever be one of these stories where God's pushing me out of my comfort zone or God's changing me or God's going to ask anything of me to renew me because uh-uh I'm really pretty good as it is. And this is easy to do if you're a very just a very nice person who does very nice things. Just happy with the status quo. We become apathetic and our Christian life has neither truth nor relationship to it. It's just kind of there. The key is that we join the Holy Spirit in His work. And we, pr- we pursue Christ-exalting truth. And we ask God to work in our lives in building a response to that truth. What do you do? Well, I think you pursue Him. You pursue Him in celebrations, in listening to His Word, by being in the Word daily. You say, how do I do that? We have easy ways around here. You look at the back of your worship folder. Read this on this day. It's pretty simple. Get a New Life Journal in our bookstore and it shows, teaches you exactly how to have a quiet time, a simple quiet time with God. Pursue Him. Read your Bible from cover to cover in search of the glory of Christ. Not just what you can get out of it. Read good books by spiritual men and women who can help you grow. Ask a godly man or woman to walk with you in your spiritual journey. We talk here about a monthly sharpening time with a spiritual partner. Find somebody that has a, has a Christian walk that you'd like to have and go up and tell them how cool they are and would they help you with this. And if you tell them how cool they are, they'll do it. But find somebody that can walk with you. Find a, a, a spiritual partner who's maybe even where you're at just to challenge you and to challenge one another to continue to grow Pray that the Holy Spirit will renew your mind. Grow in your desire to know the will of God. The end of verse 2 talks about the will of God, and we could do another whole sermon on that. But pray that you will know Him and present yourself to Him, and He'll renew you to the place where you really know His will. Live for Christ's glory and not your own. When you look in the mirror in the morning, set that aside and seek to follow Christ. Put yourself in a weekly connection in a small group where others can challenge you who are on the same road. They're trying for the same thing spiritually and you can walk together. Tanya mentioned having to say, I've got to be around a new kind of person that will, that will challenge me spiritually and we can walk together. And s- set a goal that your life is truly a worship to the glory of Christ. That it's an act of worship. And so we were reminded that in view of God's mercy that we offer our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, because that's our reasonable act of spiritual worship. Don't conform to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the what? The renewing of our minds. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Let's bow our heads together. Maybe today, you say, Pastor Brian, God is is challenging me to recommit today, to offer myself as an offering to Christ. To allow His Spirit to renew my mind. And I want to take specific steps to do that. I know what they are, I know what I need to do, and I want to commit to that today. If that's you, I'd like to pray for you this week. If you just let me do that by just raising your hand, let me... Rejoicing with you today and praying for you this week. God bless you, all of you with your hands raised. Father, may we be people who offer our lives to you as an offering of worship to Christ and then allow you to renew our mind and change us and transform us. Father, may we pursue you. May we connect with others who desire that same thing and may we serve you as you challenge us as you transform us, as you make us more like your son. We're grateful for all that you do. I believe one of the ways to get our focus set correctly is to consistently go back to the cross. It allows each of us to put everything into perspective, I think again, that it's all about him and not about me. That I owe my very life to his sacrifice for me. A reminder that his pain offers me healing. And his death offers me life. So today we come to the Lord's table. We do it a little differently this week. We do it remembering our brothers and sisters around the world who walk this path of renewal with us. And many times they are suffering in persecution as they make this commitment. Each table this morning is decorated in the culture of some of the countries in which we have ministry partners. So as you take a cup and a piece of bread, consider the vastness of Christ's sacrifice, the globalness of His sacrifice for us. So we take these moments and examine ourselves and then take of the Lord's table... I hope you'll come and commit to renewal in your life. To allowing Him to really change you. As we remember that He gave His body and His blood for us. In order to transform us. As the music plays softly, we come to the Lord's table.